Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I'm pleased to be joined by Tom Peavy and Brooks Childress here this afternoon. We have a fun show planned for you. Coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to start early today on our Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to have Ben Golliver of the Washington Post on. We've had Ben on in previous years to talk NBA postseason, and guess what's going on right now? NBA postseason. So we're going to talk to Ben Golliver about all the special performances we've seen there. Uh, We're also going to, of course, as always, have Birthdays in Sports and Nightly TV Guide update you on the transfer portal here in just a moment with a name uh, that everyone is very familiar with going out, leaving the program now. And also news of a new addition to the Auburn football roster. So we'll update you on transfer portal stuff. Of course, if you want to give us a call today on our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Ryan, Tom, and Brooks here this afternoon. I will start with Tom. Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And, uh, yeah, we'll dive into the transfer portal stuff, but – Treated you guys to the new Mountain Dew before we went on the air. Uh, the uh, summer freeze. It was good. Seems kind of fitting. Freeze. Summer freeze. Yeah, you want to cool down. Well, I know, but also. Hugh oh, you were going to Hugh Freeze. Oh, <laughs> oh there we go. It's a little but, slow on that one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, th- I guess the for anybody that doesn't know, we've talked about it before. Anytime Mountain Dew releases a new flavor, I sneak one in and pour it secretively, and we all try it for the very first time and give our thoughts on it. Uh, this one is supposed to taste like the uh, old bomb pops that you got off the ice cream truck, the red, white, and blue popsicles. They're pretty accurate. I mean, that's that kind of what, everyone agreed what there. it tastes like. Yeah. But it was a very refreshing Mountain Dew. I, I quite enjoyed it. So Might be seeing that again in the studio. Though. There you go. So, yeah, summer freeze. But, yeah, a lot of stuff going on and uh, ready to get into it. And then Brooks Childress is back. Brooks, I know that uh, you had a wonderful week last week. I know that going back to work is is not exactly like the top of the yay list, uh, but we're very glad to have you back, and uh, we're very happy for you. Congratulations on your marriage, and uh, welcome back, sir. Yeah, the uh, the Tiger Studio. No, no offense to the Tiger Studio, but it, it is not the uh, beach in the Bahamas. Right. Right. Is, is uh, fair, far, not co- far from. Uh, it's no coco Cay here. It is no coco Cay here. Yeah, I really enjoyed. Uh, Want to thank everybody that, and, and I know you know. I know you told me Ryan, and I, I did go back and listen a little bit. Some people were asking last week about. Uh, about me and you know the the wedding went well we i still am wearing the the ring and so we know it went well <laughs> you are still married i am still married <laughs> things didn't get sideways yeah. on the honeymoon yeah we we didn't you know go down to, to mexico and get a get a annulment or anything right. but 
Um, you didn't marry, you know, I married an axe murderer or yeah, something like that. No, no I, haven't find, been, yeah. I haven't been killed yet. We, we may <laughs> still be in like the grace period. Get it? Grace yeah, period. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, wedding went well. You know, I, everybody uh, made it a great time. Uh, the the cruise, the honeymoon was was very uh, very wonderful, uh, very relaxing. Really, to get get you know kind of halfway unplugged for the week. I was still plugged in, following what was going on with Auburn athletics and the NFL draft and everything. I, I wasn't completely unplugged, but uh, didn't have to worry about work, and so I was you know uh, it was very re- relaxing. But on, on top of things, I, w- I was ready to get back to you know get, get back to the grind a little bit toward the end of the week. You you, you get back to uh, you know wanting to have a little bit of normalcy. And, but if listen, I said it, I said it yesterday in the office. If the higher ups in, at our, at the company would like to subsidize me working remotely from a cruise ship from now on, I'm not going to fight you. Uh, I, I will, I will not fight you as long as the drink package is included. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, big, big weekend for sports, big week for sports last week. You saw a couple, a few Auburn Tigers go in the draft. I know you, you talked about that yesterday. The transfer portal continues to be open and guys come in or coming into Auburn. Guys are leaving Auburn right before we went on the show. We got some big transfer portal news we'll get to talk about here in a little bit. And I can't wait to talk to all of our callers, missed everybody for, for a week and, Obviously, I can't wait to uh, to get to our guest here in just a few minutes. Ben Gulliver, talk a little bit of NBA. So don't don't worry, folks. We are going to talk about Auburn athletics. We're going to talk about Auburn transfer portal stuff. Uh, so don't tune away. It's one segment. We're going to talk some NBA with a with a very well known writer in the NBA world. But it, and uh, we're going to have some fun on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. So real quickly before we get to Ben Gulliver of the Washington Post. Want to fill you in on the departure for Auburn. We're going to talk about the arrival a little bit later in more detail, but only a couple minutes here. So just breaking about 20 minutes ago or so, TJ Finley is officially going into the transfer portal. Finley is going to become a graduate. We talked yesterday about the fact that the portal is now closed for those that are not graduating that are not going to ultimately be grad transfers. But those that are about to graduate or have already graduated, they can still get in the portal. TJ Finley will qualify as that once he graduates here in a few days uh, from Auburn. So he is hitting the transfer portal officially. That has been one of the worst rumored uh, (laughs) transfer portal departures for, for several months now. It was just a matter of when, not if. Uh, even though he did stay, I think, a little bit longer involved than, than maybe people thought. He, he went through the entirety of spring practice. Uh, he is in the portal today, and we'll start with him, guys. Obviously, as I just alluded to, this is no surprise whatsoever. I guess the the deal here is how will you remember his time at Auburn? And just, I mean, we, we've had some callers give their thoughts on, on where he's going to end up. I would I would take it he is going to be get, transferring to a lower-level of football after two stops with with kinds of tigers in the SEC not going well either time, uh, but ultimately the the increasingly dramatic TJ Finley experience has come to an end with Auburn. No, yeah, no no surprise there. Uh, I think we all suspect, definitely suspect lower level for him. Maybe one of the Louisiana schools. That's that's kind of where he started and, and everything, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just it didn't work out for him. And, I mean, talk about a, a fall from grace. He was the guy after the Georgia State game a couple of years ago where Bo Nix got benched, and he came in, led Auburn to the game-winning drive, you know, on a miracle pass into the end zone to beat Georgia State and prevent a, an epic disaster loss in the Harson era. He really became kind of the hero, kind of a cult hero 
for Auburn folks that hated Bo Nix and they thought that he was the next coming and, I mean, he was going to be the guy. They didn't watch, apparently, the rest of that game where he really didn't look very good. Yeah, that last drive was great. But it just never it just never worked out for him. He was just not good with what he was doing. And, you know, he just he never could crack that starting role again. And, uh, you know, good luck to him. It just it didn't work out here. It didn't work out for him at LSU. It didn't work out for him here. Uh, you know, and he was a highly rated guy when he came out of high school. And just it has just not worked out for him so far at the college level. But maybe at a little bit lower level, he'll be able to have some success. So good luck to him. Yeah, that, that Georgia State drive was fun. Yeah. That, that's what yeah. I could say. Um, yeah, it, it it's one of those one of those things where everybody suspected it. You had to, you know, we we've talked about it before uh, on the on the show. We had to, you know, you had to throw out scenarios where he did stay because it was, you know, of course, a new coaching staff, and he did stay throughout spring. I think everybody kind of knew he was going to jump into the portal at some point or another. But you know, you you had to prepare in case he was, um, you know, he did end up staying. But but now, even though I, you know, I it felt like it, he wasn't going to be the starter anyway or be, you know, compete heavily for the starting job. Now this just emphasizes the need that Auburn and Hugh Freeze needs to go and get a quarterback out of the portal somewhere because now you're down to Holden Gurner, Robbie, Robbie Ashford. Ashford, and then the freshman. Sawyer, is it Sawyer Pate? Well, uh, Hank. Well, they brought in no, Hank. Br- that too. Um, who I'm thinking about? Hank Brown. Hank Brown. Hank Brown. Is, Hank Brown yeah, from he's, he's coming in. Yeah. That's who I'm thinking about. Hank Brown. So you you've got three guys there. Two of them not a lot of experience on the field. Um, Hank Brown no experience on the field. You you had Holden Gurner play and play. You know a tiny tiny bit last year, and then of course we know Robbie Ashford was on the field for quite a bit last year. But you've got to get someone else in that portal with experience at least that's going to going to be able to push Robbie Ashford, if not win the starting job, at least push him and have someone there with depth. Because we saw last year Robbie Ashford got a little banged up at the, toward the end of the year. If you got a more mobile quarterback, he's going to get banged up a little bit and running around, getting taking hits from uh, you know defensive lines that are basically as we saw last week in the draft defenses in the SEC that are basically NFL defenses, i.e. the uh, Philadelphia Eagles just drafting the entirety of the, right. the Georgia Bulldogs defense. Um, but you you, you got to go out, you know, Robbie uh, – uh, You freeze. T.J. Finley. Oh, nope. Uh, it, you know, he, he came. The, the experiment didn't work. You know, we wish – as, as former head coach Gus Malzahn, we wish him nothing but the best as he goes on and, you know, probably plays uh, lower down college football. But I think this more, this again, emphasizes Hugh Freeze's and this offense's need to go into that portal and get someone that has a little bit of experience. Well, one thing that I will be curious to see is the timing of, of this. Because uh, we know Casey Thompson from the, the Nebraska transfer has already been here on campus. I, I'm curious to see how this timing works. You know, was TJ – waiting around to see what was going to happen with that, or did he decide to leave because they are looking at the portal? I'm wondering if maybe Casey Thompson has told Hugh Freeze and that staff something. And then, I don't and think then that so. Was, I, well, no, and I, I'm just saying I'm wondering. I'm wondering about the timing. If he was kind of holding out, wait to see what's going to happen with this, and now he knows that this is going to happen, so it's time to go, or hold off and let's wait and make sure that they're not going to do transfer portal or this doesn't work out, then I still have – a relatively decent shot to get on the field at Auburn. I, you know, like I said, I don't know. Everybody knew he was going to transfer. At least that was the assumption. But I, that's why I'm just curious to see what the timing. If, if I it, mean, I do think Auburn will land a quarterback here pretty soon. Right. But I think Finley was gone. Period. He was right. not getting this job. 
and he sure. was, and if you read between the lines, he wasn't even going to be the second string. That's guy. what it sounded like. Yeah. So I, I really, I mean, I, in some cases that can happen, but Finley, I, I think <laughs> he was talking in recent days before they were even going after Thompson or anyone else about being disrespected the last time right. Auburn went for portal guys and and the absurdity of all that. And again, I. I, I know that this comes on the heels of them starting to recruit these new guys. It's possible they're going to get a commitment from one of them very soon. But uh, that that dude was not starting, period. Sure. And I, I think the plan all along was just to keep sticking around for a while and then and see if he could come and, I don't know, surprise people in the spring. He did not surprise anyone in the spring, and now the tenure is over. We'll talk a little bit more about it later in the show, as well as the addition that Auburn will be bringing in from the portal that they've got. Uh, just about an hour ago. But up next, Ben Golver of the Washington Post will join us. Stay tuned. More sports call after the break. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here. And now let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line, and we're pleased to welcome on Ben Golliver of the Washington Post, a guest that we've had on in the past. It is NBA postseason. Ben, the time is greatly appreciated. Hope you're doing well today. Oh, I'm doing great here in San Francisco, getting ready for Warriors-Lakers. You know, Steph LeBron, round five. It uh, doesn't get any better than that. Absolutely, and, and these guys have headlined – just kind of the, the top of the NBA for a while now. I know some other guys have had individually great seasons, and, and of course we think of, of Giannis and the Bucks a couple of years ago, but but the story of the last decade or decade plus has revolved around LeBron and Steph. Let's go back to Game 7 in Sacramento a couple of nights ago, a couple of days ago. Steph drops 50, a career high, a career high for the postseason, but also a, a NBA record for most points in Game 7. How special – was that performance, and even at age 35, it seems like Steph is still in his prime. Oh, there's no question about it, and I think he controls the game better right now at age 35 than he did at age 25 or age 30. Steve Kerr said it after the game, this guy's been doing it for a decade. It reminds him of Michael Jordan, the way he can kind of turn it on in big moments, and it was spectacular. What I loved about Game 7 from Steph, you know, he's always going to give you the outside stuff, the three-pointers, right? I mean, he's the splash brother. Everybody knows that. But it was the inside the arc scoring, the scoop shot after scoop shot, the floaters, the uh, falling sideways shots, and the amazing layups breaking down Sacramento's defense that really got it done. And, uh, you know, it was a sad ending for Sacramento. They were a great story all season long. You know, popular small market, beautiful offense attack that just kind of fell apart at the wrong time for them. But, look, I mean, that's, that's the playoff experience, the championship experience. And you said it with LeBron and, and Steph dominating the last decade. I mean, these guys combined have won six MVPs combined. They've won eight titles. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than that among the biggest names right now. And, you know, Nike versus Under Armour, however you want to slice it. They've been rivals for a while. It's going to be an amazing show tonight. 
And then, of course, as we go through this series, you do have a couple of teams, at least their stars are a little older. They'll be the dynamic of not having two full days off. I mean, how do you see this series playing out, given that these two teams had such big issues at times in the regular seasons, but the Lakers reshaped the roster, Steph is playing his absolute best? I mean, how do you see this series going? No, you've got it right on. I mean, this is going to be a series about pace, you know, based on how all these older players can hold up. Now, the Lakers and Grizzlies in the first round actually played pretty fast, but when he was able to, LeBron James tried to slow the game down, take a more methodical half-court approach, and I think that's going to be the Lakers' strategy in this series. You know, Golden State was number one in pace during the regular season. Uh, Their series against Sacramento was by far the fastest of the first round. And it got frenetic. It got hectic, you know, up and, up and back. You know, there's a lot of turnover issues sometimes, transition play. And I don't think the Lakers necessarily want to play like that. I think they'd rather play a defensive-minded style, rely on their size and length with LeBron and Anthony Davis and Jared Vanderbilt, and try to, uh, you know, beat the Warriors that way. I think if you're the Warriors, you're looking at this Lakers front line, and you're saying it's going to be a lot harder to score against those guys than it was against Sacramento because their front line just really is not a defensive-minded group up there in Sacramento. So for the, the Warriors, the key is going to be the three-point shot. Not just Steph Curry, but they're going to need better series from Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins if they want to get this thing done. Both those guys you know, played solid against Sacramento, especially defensively, but they're going to have to score more uh, against the Lakers to, uh, you know, to be able to get this series win. If I had to make a pick, I'd take Warriors at seven. I think it's going to be kind of a bloodbath series, lots of adjustments. I do think the Warriors have a coaching advantage, and I think Steph Curry's, you know, like you said earlier, in his prime right now, whereas with LeBron, he's had some shooting struggles. He's had to kind of conserve his energy. He's still dealing with that foot issue that almost required season-ending surgery. And I think, you know, ultimately a lot of times these uh, series get decided by who has the better superstar, and I think it's going to be the Warriors. So with the Lakers and Warriors tipping off later tonight, that gets to the final game of the conference semi or final series of the conference semis underway. Everybody else already has at least one game under their belts. Other than that Lakers Warriors game, uh, Ben, which of these series do you think is the most intriguing going forward? Well, I think it's it's probably going to be Boston Philly, just because you've got a player who might be the MVP in Joel Embiid, and, and you just don't know his status. I mean, he's got this knee injury. Um, it didn't bother Philly in game one. They get 45 points from James Harden. It kind of shocked the Celtics um, in Boston to, to take control of that series early. But if Embiid can't play, I mean, this is going to be a really sad end. I mean, they had so much hope of finally having a big playoff breakthrough. I don't think they can get it done without him. So that's why I think, uh, you know, it's, it's all about his health. If he can get back on the court and give them something, maybe they have a chance. And that winds up being a really interesting kind of regional battle there between the Celtics and the 76ers. But uh, the other series to, to really look at for me has been Denver-Phoenix. Now, Phoenix comes in with all the star power, right? You know, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and it has not mattered at all through two games. I mean, Denver has totally controlled that series. Nikola Jokic has been the best player on the court. And the most impressive part from Denver's standpoint is they won the first two games in different manners. The first game, it's a track meet. Everybody's hitting shots, and Denver wins in a blowout. The second game, it's real ugly. Nobody can make a shot. Jamal Murray's playing terribly for Denver. And then what do you know? Jokic just puts everybody on his back and gets it done in an ugly win. That gives them a a chance to take this series quickly. You know, Chris Paul also got injured. We don't know his status quite yet. But if the Nuggets are able to say, let's win this series in five, for example, 
they could have a nice long rest before the Western Conference Finals, especially if the Lakers and Warriors go deep in their series, right? So this is setting up for Denver, who you know, kind of been under the radar all year at the number one seed. It's setting up really nicely for them, and, and they could potentially reach the NBA Finals for the first time in their franchise history. Talking to Ben Golliver, the Washington Post today on Sports Call. A couple more quick questions for Ben before we let him go. Ben, on that Nuggets and Suns series with with Kevin Durant being just so relatively new to that team, do you feel like the issues for the Suns are more based on the lack of chemistry from guys just not playing together much, or do you think there's some real issues with, with, with depth or, or something else that are really hindering the Suns? No, you're on it, man. You're all over it. I think that there's chemistry issues, but also depth issues. And I think it comes out in a couple different ways. I mean, first of all, their offense is pretty darn good. I mean, they get good shots regularly because Booker's so good offensively and Kevin's so good offensively. But they just need to have a little bit more time together to find out who are the release guys in their offense, right? Who are those guys who can knock down open three-pointers and kind of keep the defense honest? Who are their fourth and fifth options? And they just haven't really gotten good production from those spots so far. And I think the other big issue is the depth. And Monty Williams, he's taken a pretty simple approach. He said, I don't really trust anybody on my bench, so I'm going to play my stars huge minutes. Well, the problem there is you're tiring Booker and you're tiring Kevin Durant out, and maybe their defensive energy and intensity isn't quite where it needs to be You know, over the course of an entire game to keep up with Denver's offense. so far through two games. You know, Phoenix hasn't been as good in the fourth quarter because they're running out of gas a little bit, and uh, Denver's depth advantage has really shown through and, and been crucial in both those games. And then last question for you, Ben, on that Miami-New York series. I'm in awe of Jimmy Butler because during the regular season, he's <laughs> he, he's a good two-way player. But in the postseason, he's one of these handful of guys that not only maintains his level of play, but he elevates his level of play. How is he able to, to play at such a high level when it matters most? Well, I think he's smart enough to manage his uh, body during the regular season. You know, He's always in great shape, but he never really plays more than like 50 or 55 games. And I think that helps him stay fresh for the playoffs. And this is a consistent thing for him. As soon as it becomes playoff time, he can handle gigantic minutes. You might remember more than 10 years ago, he was playing all 48 minutes against a prime LeBron in those battles between the Miami Heat and Chicago Bulls in the the early days of the Heatles. So, I mean, Jimmy lives for the postseason. He can handle the big minutes. He doesn't mind having the ball in his hands the entire game. And he's such a smart player. You know, the most underrated aspect of his game is he just doesn't turn the ball over. He's always going to get a shot, no matter what. And that helps him have those big, explosive scoring performances like he had against Milwaukee in the first round. Now, the trick right now for Miami is, what's up with his ankle? Because it looked like a pretty bad roll at the end of game one against New York. And so you've got to decide, do you want to play him uh, normal minutes? Do you want to sit him? Do you want to like cut his minutes and just see what happens in game two? That's going to be a tough decision for them as they try to figure out how to handle this series. But they've already stolen home court advantage from the Knicks. Um, you know, they've, they've looked great so far in this playoffs. They got some surprising uh, contributions from a guy like Kyle Lowry in game one. And I think the Heat are probably feeling pretty good right now. They just might sneak their way from the play-in tournament right back into the Eastern Conference Finals. And then, Ben, really quickly before we get you out of here, what was it like last week to be in the same arena as some British Royals? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you guys saw that, huh? Well... Um, you know, let's just say they didn't get a standing ovation. You know, I think they might uh, get a get a nicer. Uh, you're, you're talking about Prince Harry and Meghan. You know, it's it's kind of a tricky spot for them because 
they can't decide if they want to be royals or podcasters. You know, it's like what's <laughs> what's their uh, preferred profession? And they showed up at the Lakers game in L.A. And you know, there was some polite applause, but um, you know, I think guys like Denzel Washington and Jack Nicholson they might get a, a better ovation from that Laker faithful than uh, the Royals did. Love it. We love it. Ben, we appreciate the time today. Hope you have a great time covering this this incredible series between the Warriors and Lakers. We look forward to watching it. We hope to have you again uh, here down the line. Enjoy the game tonight. All right. Sounds great, guys. Take care. Appreciate it. That is Ben Golliver of the Washington Post joining us today on Sports Call to talk some NBA postseason uh, as uh, we're set for some really fun series uh, didn't even uh, you know mention. Uh, I guess we we hit on all the series real briefly, but the the big Harden performance last night, where he had forty five and the de facto game winner, uh, hitting a hitting a three with seven or eight seconds left to stun the the Celtics at home. The playoffs are gonna be a lot of fun. We'll we'll talk a little bit about it maybe later in the show or certainly later in the week. But uh, we do appreciate Ben for hopping on talking to us right there. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line again. And we'll also have birthdays and sports coming up. And again, update you on the football transfer, transfer portal. Still a lot to do here on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. We'll be right back. To the show, send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. Want more sports call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here. Again, big thanks to Ben Golliver of the Washington Post for talking some NBA postseason with us. I know that's not the the, the peak of a lot of people's interest, but, uh, man, I love the NBA. I'm excited for this Lakers-Warriors series. I talked about it as my best of the weekend. Again, if you like basketball at all, appreciate this next series. This is outside of the NBA Finals. This could be the most fun series we've had in a while. And that's even with a seven-game series that Golden State was just involved in. LeBron and Curry one more time. Anthony Davis and his greatness. Can Thompson and Green and Wiggins and that core muster up one more run here? A lot of great storylines. And you know, you know what? The winner of the series might not even go to the finals because of how well Denver's playing right now. But uh, that's that's why I love basketball so much. And so I uh, really appreciate Ben Golliver. Uh, for joining us right there. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, tiger 9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. And we'll have our first caller of the show now. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about Robbie Ashford and the transfer portal. Um, if he's actually, well, I know he's going into the transfer portal, but I'm just seeing, like, what team would want to pick him up when he gets out of the transfer portal. Yeah, so it's it's not Robbie Ashford. Robbie Ashford I mean, is staying in Auburn. It's uh, T.J. Finley. Okay, okay. Uh, it, well, yeah, I meant T.J. Finley. Sure. Because, um, well, I know he just 
jumped into the transfer portal, but if 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 a if a good college team wants uh, T.J. Finley, the best college team would pick him up would be Alabama. Yeah, I, I don't think Alabama would be interested in, in him. I, I think Finley's not played at a level conducive to playing in the SEC or or uh, a major college football. I think Auburn fans would love to see him at Alabama play quarterback. I don't I don't think that would go well, and uh, I think Auburn fans would be a fan of that. But I, I think he's going to end up transferring to somewhere like a Sun Belt or Conference USA school or or someone in the FCS. Like he could go back to southeastern Louisiana since he started at LSU. He's got some ties mm-hmm. there. Something like that. And I, I do not think he will be staying in the SEC or in the Power Five. Yes. Now, if he actually goes into the Sun Belt region, um, probably Troy might pick him up because I think Troy is looking for a good quarterback. I'm not quite sure. I've been hearing a lot of, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of different things with Troy's football team, and I'm pretty sure that they really do need a quarterback. And I think uh, T.J. Finley would be that that good fit for Troy University as well. Yeah, we'll just have to see. I don't know if Troy's looking for a quarterback or not. Um, I, I would. Most teams that are looking for a quarterback now have a big need there, so it's kind of either you're, you're pretty good about your guys or you're, or you're needing something pretty quickly. I don't know if Finley would, would work for them or not, um, but again, I, I'm not sure if there's a need there. Yeah, so if it's not what he wants, I mean, he can go to like a Big Ten or a Big 12 school like Michigan or Michigan State or Ohio or Ohio State, just to name a few uh, teams, just to name those few schools right off the bat that, that are looking for a good quarterback in uh, T.J. Finley as well. Would you, want him, would you want him to go to Alabama State? Um, pretty much yes, because I think with the ties there in Montgomery, I know I've been hearing a lot of buzz around uh, the river region about a quarterback, so I'm not quite sure on their on their quarterback decision with that. So um, I mean, with the HBCU school like Alabama State, Alabama State would, I mean, with T.J. Finley, I mean, I can give him a shot at Alabama State, but I'm not quite sure on how how the how the Alabama State. Uh, Hornet Nation would feel about T.J. Finley coming to an HBCU school, but if, if it's his choice of, of that school, then then Alabama State would be a good fit for him as well. Yeah, we will have to see. What else is on your mind today, James? Well, with the NBA um, playoffs today, I'm actually going to be watching the first game and seeing uh, if New York is going to win, which I know that New York is going to win tonight as well. Oh yeah, so you got the Knicks tonight. You you worried about Jimmy Butler's injury? Yes, I'm actually um, keeping track on that and uh, seeing if Jimmy Butler is going to play tonight. But um, I just have to see if sources might think otherwise as well. Yeah, and then you've got that game one of that Warriors and Lakers series, and you kept telling me that the Warriors would find a way to win that King series, and they pulled it out. So who do you got in this Warriors Lakers series? I'll probably say with this one, I'll probably say the Los Angeles Lakers will win this one as well because late, earlier today I was playing the NBA 2K uh, series and I was just playing like, you know, a, a little matchup of tonight's game as well with the Lakers, with the uh, Knicks and the Miami Heat. And 
let me just say, I lost the first half of that game. Oh, man, but did you come back in the second half? Uh, no, I just gave up and quit. Oh, all right. Well, we, we've all had a rage quit or two sometimes in the video game world. It's okay. Yes, as well, because um, I'm, I'm just going to see how things are going to do with LeBron James and seeing if he's going to win uh, another ring and maybe retire sometime real soon. Yeah, I think with LeBron, obviously he's old enough and played enough to retire, but I really think mm-hmm. he wants to play uh, with his oldest son, Bronny James, who's about to about to be a freshman in college. He still hasn't chosen mm-hmm. his college, by the way, but he's a year or two away from potentially being able to be in the NBA. So I think LeBron's going mm-hmm. to play until Bronny can get in the league. And LeBron's still playing at a good level, too, so he has mm-hmm. not declined as much as a normal player would. So I think he's going to go a couple more years, even if he does win another title. Yeah, so if he wins another title and then his son might come right in into the league, I mean, that would be a really good thing to have uh, LeBron James actually take him under his wing and show him, you know, the fundamentals of of how he is playing the league and getting to show him, you know, what, you know, like, if he wants to play with the Los Angeles Lakers, he had, he'll just have to look up in the Raptors and see, like, so many great uh Laker legend players before his dad as well. Yeah, there's a lot of them from Kobe Bryant to Magic Johnson to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, there's so many great uh, Lakers. Lakers have as much history as as anyone. I know the Boston Celtics are right there too, but the Lakers have had a, a special history, and LeBron has added to that the last few years. Yes, as well, because I'm, I'm pretty sure when it's his time to retire, I'll probably see LeBron James actually being like a sports reporter or sports analyst for NBA TV or ESPN or, you know, major networks that might want to get his insights as well. Do you want to hear my theory on what LeBron's going to do post-retirement? Uh, sure. I think that he's going to end up being a part of an ownership group for a team in Las Vegas. What would you think mm. about that? Um, I actually think that's a really good thing. I think that would be very interesting to see LeBron James actually own uh, a team out in Las Vegas. Yeah, because of course, well, uh, because of course, Michael Jordan ended up uh, being part owner of Charlotte, and uh, we'll see if mm-hmm. LeBron ends up uh, trying to own a team in the NBA. I, I think well, you talk to people, and that is very possible. Yes, as well, because, I mean, with LeBron James being the GOAT of NBA and uh, seeing him actually, uh, you know, seeing his different things off the court actually being um, one that I can actually say is um, I've actually seen him uh, talking with some of the NASCAR owners and seeing if he wants to own a NASCAR uh, team out there in in the NASCAR I think that would be in a in a really good thing for LeBron James to own uh, a good racing team out there with NASCAR. Again, seems like if that were to happen, falling again, all the things that MJ did. But we'll see. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually um, trying to see if Auburn uh, baseball is actually going to look good this year. And I mean, the sources do point to the College World Series for Butch Thompson and. Um, with these four games, well, with these last games that we have, I'm, I'm probably seeing Auburn actually winning a couple of these games as well. And then when we get into the college playoffs and in the College World Series, I want to see a rematch of 
Auburn and Alabama in the first round of the College World Series as well. Yeah, we'll just have to see. Uh, obviously, Auburn's just trying to make sure they make the NCAA tournament. They had a very key weekend in doing that last weekend when they were able to beat South Carolina. It's still a long way to go uh, for Auburn because if they do get in the NCAA tournament, they're probably they're they're definitely not going to host a regional. So that would be a pretty big upset if they were able to come out of that regional. And then Alabama's kind of the same boat. They'll make the NCAA tournament, but they're not going to be a host or anything like that. So it would it would take a lot for Auburn and Alabama to make runs to the College World Series. Yes, as well. And then with the Auburn uh, women's softball, um, do you think by any chance will they do a reschedule on Auburn versus Alabama State? Because I know on their on our schedule, I know it was canceled, but I don't know what was the cancellation um, to. Uh, yeah, they they will not be. I mean, I know they've got finals week this week, and uh, that that plays a role. Also, the RPI playing Alabama State, even if, if a win would, would, would hurt Auburn's RPI, and they're, they're right on the border of being able to host a regional or not. So, no, this is the last week of the regular season. That game will not be, that game will not be played. Okay. And then I know uh, last couple of weeks with the NFL draft that just wrapped up, I'm looking at the 2024 NFL draft, and I'm pretty sure that we might see some more Auburn or Alabama or Georgia or Florida players coming out of the SEC in next year's uh, NFL draft that's going to be in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, always a good bet uh, for a lot of Alabama, Georgia players. I know some Florida players, too. Also hoping to get more Auburn guys. Had five Auburn guys drafted. That was certainly better than the year before, but still want to see that increase, maybe get a first-round pick. But, yeah, the SEC has been dominating the draft for a while now, and I expect that to continue. Yes, as well, because when I was watching the draft, I was just hoping and praying that, um, you know, some of these guys I've seen that I've, you know, seen on the football field for Auburn, like Owen Papo, I was very happy of seeing him actually going to the Arizona Cardinals. And with that being said, I'm actually going to put Owen Papo in my fantasy draft this year as well in my fantasy lineup and seeing if he's going to give me some good points this year. So you're going to take the Arizona Cardinals defense, you think? Yes, I'm going to take the the Arizona Cardinals defense, and I might put in at quarterback. I'm thinking about putting in uh, uh, not Bryce Young because I don't I don't need him in my lineup. He's a Alabama uh, quarterback, so I don't want that to happen. Um, I might put in like Will Levis or you know somebody that's in the draft as well, somebody that can give me good points as well. Would you be interested in C.J. Stroud as your quarterback? Um, I would. Um, I would probably say C.J. Stroud because I know he he reminds me of like a an older uh, NFL Hall of Famer. Probably I would say like Dan Marino or um, mm, I'll probably say either Dan Marino or mm, let's see. I'll have to say the quarterback for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Kenny Stabler as well. One of those two quarterbacks that will remind me to to put him in, to put C.J. Shaw as a, a good fit for, for my NFL fantasy draft as well. Very interesting. Uh, those comparisons are interesting. You'll have to have to explain those to me a little bit later. Do you have a comparison for uh, what uh, Bryce Young would be? Um, I'll probably say Bryce Young would have to be like Michael Vick or... 
uh, Lamar Jackson because I think he's like if, if he's like a Lamar Jackson, I know he's like a, a magician. So so he's more of that agile, you know, style playing in in his in his ways of of playing the NFL as well. All right, I got you. Well, do you have any uh, final thoughts today before we let you go? Well, actually, um, I do have my final thoughts. Uh, I, I know with the um, with the Super Bowl, you know, in the in the far off distance, I'll probably see um, I'll probably see like a good team that will play in Las Vegas, and the and I might as well roll the dice on these two teams. I know that I haven't seen these two teams in years, but I would like to see the New York Jets play against. Green Bay as well in the in the near future in the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, Nevada. So you want Aaron Rodgers to play his old team in the Super Bowl? Yes, as well. So I, I had I haven't seen uh, Green Bay uh, Packers and uh, New York Jets uh, rivalry in NFL or in the Super Bowl for that matter as well. But I'll just have to see if that if that um, if that statement is true and then i'll tell you all about that one on tomorrow's show as well all right well that sounds good james we appreciate you calling in today all right thanks sam war eagle war eagle that is james from montgomery joining us on the auburn bank phone line right there had some fun comparisons to guys uh quarterback position there and uh talked a little ball with him only a few minutes left in this hour so with that we'll go ahead and get to today's birthdays and sports it's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. The Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. David Beckham turns 48 today. Played for Manchester United, the England national team, Real Madrid, LA Galaxy, AC Milan, and PSG. Two-time FIFA World Player of the Year, three-time most assists in the Premier League. He won 2003 England Player of the Year, Premier League 10 Seasons Award, 2004 Best Male Soccer Player. The list goes on and on. Beckham holds records for first Englishman to win league titles in four countries, England, Spain, United States, and France. First England player to score at three FIFA World Cups. First British footballer to play 100 UEFA Champion League games. Most free kicks scored in the Premier League with 18. Most free kicks scored in the Premier League season with five. Heads ownership group of MLS squad enter Miami. David Beckham turns 48 today. Gotta bend it. Like Beckham. Russ Grimm turned 64, former offensive lineman and coach. Third-round picks the Washington Redskins, the 1981 NFL Draft out of Pittsburgh. Let's go Panthers. Played entire – by the way, Tom, every day last yeah, week. I've been I, holding I heard. It down for I you. heard. Yeah. And I I just, I'm very much appreciative. I, I'm like, he's here? I can just sit back and not say that. <laughs> <laughs> Played entire 11-year career in Washington. As a player, Grimm is a three-time Super Bowl champion, four-time Pro Bowler, and four-time first-team All-Pro. 1980s All-Decades team, 80 Greatest Redskins, and 2010 Pro Football Hall of Fame inductee. As a coach, nine seasons with the Redskins, five as tight ends coach, four as offensive line coach. Also coached O-line for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Arizona Cardinals, and Tennessee Titans in a 17-year span. He was a Super Bowl champion with the Steelers. Russ Grimm turned 64 today. Ian Anderson turns 25, current pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. Third overall pick to the Braves in 2016 MLB draft out of high school. Made Braves debut on August 26, 2020. Anderson 
has a win-loss record of 22-13 with a 3.97 ERA. 2021 World Series champion, 2015 Under-18 Baseball World Cup gold medalist with Team USA, currently recovering from Tommy John surgery. Ian Anderson turns 25 today. And then Paul George turns 33, current NBA small forward, 10th overall pick in the 2010 NBA draft to the Indiana Pacers out of Fresno State. Out of Fresno State. Go Bulldogs. Also played for Oklahoma City Thunder and currently on the Los Angeles Clippers. George was 2010 second team on whack at Fresno. Whack. His number 24, 24 jerseys retired in the NBA. Eight-time All-Star, 2019 All-NBA first-teamer, five-time All-NBA third-teamer, two-time All-Defensive first and second team, 2013 NBA Most Improved Player, and 2019 NBA Steals Leader. He was a part of the 2016 Rio Olympic gold medalist team with Team USA. Paul George turns 33 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Again, David Beckham, 48. Russ Grimm, 64. Ian Anderson, 25. Paul George, 33. I was trying to find Ian Anderson's high school, and it is uh, Dehoah High School in Clifton Park, New York. Shenandoah. Is that that? Shenandoah. Shenandoah. Sure. They are the Plainsmen, by the way. Oh, look at that. Shenandoah Plainsmen. Well, uh, happy birthday to the the pride of the Plainsmen, I guess, Ian Anderson. (laughs) Um, We're about out of time for hour number one, and hour number two will tell you about the new addition to the transfer portal for the Auburn Tigers. Might fit a little Atlanta Braves talk in there, much more. So coming up, uh, you want to stay tuned. Also, more of your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free. One triple eight nine Tiger Nine again. Out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned. More sports call after the break. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
Hour number two starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Tom, every so often, just got to do the weather check with you. And, yeah. Uh, optimal temperature, optimal, optimal. conditions very, today. Very comfortable. Uh, nice little breeze. Uh, yeah. We, we started kind of flirting with those little bit of uncomfortable warm, but then we backed it down. And, uh, yeah. Very pleasant. Com- very, very pleasant and refreshing outside. And I'm sure the Auburn students that are taking their finals are like, what a pleasant day. <laughs> what a pleasant day to get killed by this exam. Yeah. <laughs> what a pleasant day to I go. Yeah, let's be stuck inside taking <laughs> right. tests. Right. Um, so it is obviously finals week on campus. Graduation going to be taking place this weekend. Uh, going to be a kind of a busy time, and that's why I'm going home this weekend. And I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I'm yeah. not, I'm, uh, cue the Magic Johnson little video of I'm not gonna be here. I'm not gonna be here either. I'm I, I will be up in uh, the Boaz Albertville area this weekend. Okay, any yeah. uh, special deal going uh, on there? So uh, my my girlfriend Michelle uh, family is from all up there, and they I guess it's a North Alabama thing. It's called Decoration Day, and so everybody goes to the cemetery, the family cemetery, puts flowers down, and it's kind of like a little family weekend family reunion type deal. So uh, there, there's one guy that I always enjoy talking to. Uh, it's it's her uh, it's her uncle, her mom's brother is uh, named Jimmy Bishop, and he's a former NFL player. He played uh, he's a high school star up there around the Boaz area. Went to Tennessee Tech, but then he uh, played several years in the NFL. Uh, and then the old uh, uh, it was with the, the Birmingham Vulcans of the I forget what league that sure. was in the '70s, but yeah, former pro football player. And uh, the two of us, we we love to talk shop whenever I'm up there talking football and everything like that. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a fun time. Get out of town, go up there to North Alabama and hang out. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Listen, I can't blame blame you guys, but it just hurts a little bit that I get back and now everybody's leaving me and I can't, I got to fend for myself on fun <laughs> things to do this weekend. Yeah. Uh, you have a wife? Oh, no, she's going to be out of she's town. She's going to be out of town, too. <laughs> Everybody's mind. leaving me. Man. Yeah, that's kind of rough, man. I'm sorry. I did not plan that, and uh, I apologize. But, um, yeah, so we all got weekend plans, it appears, except for Brooks, who's going to be chilling. you going to try and get Auburn LSU? Oh, yeah. This weekend? Oh, yeah. Go. I mean, when you got the number one team coming into town, that you, you got to try to yeah. find a way to get there. And uh, speaking of that matter, uh, we put up on our social media, on our Twitter at Sports Call AU, um, a, a ticket giveaway. So if you are in need of Auburn versus number one LSU tickets this weekend, I believe we're giving away tickets for the Friday, Friday yep, game. It's a pair of Friday night game yep. tickets. And I'll go ahead and tease this. Later in the week, we'll probably have some to give away if you keep listening. Absolutely. So multiple ways to win tickets to that big matchup between Auburn and LSU. You can go, again, to our Twitter page at Sports Call AU. And find that giveaway, and then again either tomorrow or Thursday. And I and I would say we'll if you have, have if, yeah, I mean if you have the chance to win them, try to win them because I have a feeling tickets might be at a premium for that one because yeah, you know LSU is going to bring a lot of folks, but I think Auburn fans are going to pack that place out too. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, if you can get the tickets, get them. Well, I, again, I we talked with Kevin Ives about Auburn baseball yesterday and about this series, and I just straight up asked him how excited he was for it because. This has been LSU all year long. You right. talked about the story that you had with Case and Howell last year, the conversation that you had where yeah, LSU was loading up. I mean, this this was coming, 
LSU was supposed to be really good. They've lived up to being really good. They've been number one all year long. Auburn's off the heels of its very best series of the year, a series that gives you hope for the rest of this year. Uh, and not that it's going to be easy even to take a game, but uh, it is going to be a couple of night atmospheres that are going to be a lot of fun. As mentioned, the students will be done. There will be more people in town because of graduation. Everyone's kids are getting, uh, getting sent off into the world for the, you know, for the official time now. And uh, there, there's going to be a, a lot of people down here. I think those crowds will be awesome. I think they will have a great chance to sell out. And spoiler alert, uh, through Auburn, AUBTIX.com, which is where you get the official tickets for all three of these games, sold out. They are already sold so out. So the only go. way you can get these tickets is, one, to keep listening to us, go to our social media and win them, or find them somewhere on the secondary market. And like you said, they're, they're already, you know, premium is, I'm looking at some of these StubHub prices, the uh, just standing room only and it, you know, it's not terrible. It's nineteen, twelve, and twenty-five dollars for the three different three different games. But that's still just stand. That's Standing, not getting. Yeah. That's that's more expensive than getting a seat if if you get a normal ticket. Right. So, uh, again, multiple ways to win. Listen to us a little bit later throughout the week. We will have uh, a giveaway here, and then also on our Twitter page right now at Sports Call AU away some tickets there. All right, we've teased this for a while. Let's get into football transfer portal. And, of course, updating you throughout this deal. It's going to kind of come and go at this point now that we are not in the mainstay of guys hitting the portal. I know that being said, we've talked about DJ Finley hitting the portal today. But, again, only grad transfers can enter at this point forward. If you're an undergrad, you needed to already make that decision. So we really won't see a big influx of guys hitting the portal from this point forward. But there's a lot of guys in the portal, nevertheless, that need to commit. Not a, not a ton of guys have. And so Auburn got somebody today. He is Jalen McLeod. He is an edge rusher from Appalachian State. He was, he was starting to pick up some steam, I guess, yesterday is going to be committing the Tigers. Eight and a half tackles for a loss last year. Six sacks last season at Appalachian State. And he's got multiple years of eligibility remaining. We talked about Dylan Brooks hitting the portal this past weekend. Obviously, Jeffrey Embaugh hit the portal earlier and then Obviously, with the guys that got drafted, Derek Hall, Colby Wooden, you lost Eku Leota, who factored in. You lost some serious guys up front and on the edge. And so Auburn now takes a step towards replacing some of those numbers. Again, Jalen Cloud out of Appalachian State is the newest member of the Auburn family there. Again, six sacks last year at State, guys. So Auburn gets an edge rusher. Still think they're going to be involved with maybe one or two more. We've talked some quarterbacks and give Brooks an opportunity in a second to talk about the Peyton Thorne versus Casey Thompson uh, discussion. Uh, but, uh, again, we expect – how many more would we expect, Tom, do you think? Would you probably, I don't know, is 10-ish a number, five to ten more players in the portal overall, just, just raw numbers? Yeah. Uh, obviously need a couple – uh, of wide receivers, ideally, right. one one or two more up front in the defensive line. One a quarterback. You know, you can always take one or two here and there. So I don't know, five to ten more transfers, maybe something like that in the yeah. portal. Uh, yeah, I mean that that would seem ideal. Um, I and obviously you've got to really focus on those positions of need, and and I've, that's quarterback, wide receiver right now. I mean, really, two of the weakest uh, units of the entire offense. Uh, and if you're able to shore up some more, even on the offensive line, yeah, you do that as well. Uh, defense feels like it's in better hands, but yeah, you've lost some guys now, and so 
Uh, yeah, I think 10 is a good number. And uh, as, as long as, like I said, they're in those positions of need, which Auburn definitely has some of that. And uh, Jalen McLeod, a couple more particulars. He is a smaller guy. He is going to be more of a speed rusher, 6'1", 235. So not, uh, not going to wow anyone with the weight there, the measurables. However, again, I mentioned the six sacks for App State last year. Two of those six sacks were against Texas A&M yeah. uh, when App played uh, A&M. So if you're worried about that translating to the SEC, well, I know A&M was a hot mess last year, but last I checked, they're still in the SEC. They'll be in the SEC this year. Auburn will play them. And McLeod did have success against them. So uh, something to keep in mind. Brooks, as I turn to you now with more of the particulars, again, we've talked – a lot of Auburn people are right now. Peyton Thorne, Casey Thompson, two transfer portal guys, one from Michigan State, one from Nebraska. I don't know if there's a consensus on what the preference is. I think maybe just the overall consensus is Auburn's got to get one of them. Uh, what are your thoughts and feelings on, on these two guys that uh, have hit the portal and Auburn clearly has interest in? Um, I, I really think that the guy that you, if, if you're Auburn fans, you would want and a guy that I think fits really well into the, the Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery offense that were, that's being installed at Auburn is Casey Thompson. I mean, you, you saw him play a few years at, at uh, uh, Nebraska, and then he was at it was Texas. Texas, Texas. Yeah, he and, started at Texas. He started at Texas before uh, Quint Ewers took over. Um, but it was it – was, um, He's a guy that has, you know, I talked earlier when, with T.J. Finley leaving. He's a guy that's got starting experience. He's a guy that has played in some big games. He's had some big big roles. He's a guy, it, it, it's, you know, he, he's one of those guys that when he's at Nebraska, he to, he's still there. He, he's, he, he was just – Been in college football for a while. Yeah, he's, he's been around for a little while. He, you know, you never – he may come in. He may not win the job. And, uh, but I think he's a guy that you can bring in if you're Hugh Freeze and really push Robbie Asher because he's got the you know the, the skill sets that you're looking for in, a, in this Hugh Freeze offense. You've seen him, uh, you, you've seen what they've done, especially what they what he was able to do uh, with what Hugh Freeze was able to do at Liberty with uh, Malik Willis. Uh, I think that uh, Thompson could be really really good at, uh, to kind of mimic what 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 uh, they did at Liberty and so I, if you're Auburn I think that's the guy you're, you're probably mainly targeting I don't think either of these guys would hurt to get him in because like I said with, especially with losing TJ Finley you're losing depth at the quarterback position you that is that is something that you've got to have especially playing in the SEC playing against defenses like Alabama and LSU and Georgia and uh, just week in and week out you're playing against guys, teams that are going to beat your your quarterback up and you know I, I know that everybody is you know it, it seems like the offensive line is getting into a better position uh, than it has been the last few years. Hugh Freeze, that was one of the big emphasis he put on when he first got here was getting guys here for the offensive line. But still, we haven't seen this offensive line play together. We haven't seen we don't know how they're going to mesh well. And so you may have another year where you've got a quarterback, whoever it may be, is going to be moving around a lot and trying to run for not run for their life, but you know, you're going to have some big boys up front chasing them down. And if you you know if you've got a guy, whoever that starter is. Whether it is it is Robbie Ashford, whether it's you know one of the, the transfer quarterback like Thompson, whoever it is, if you've got a guy with starting experience as your secondary guy, 
that can pay dividends because if you get a guy hurt early in the year, and especially, you know, you, you hit that early stretch of conference games. I know Georgia's pretty early this year in, on the schedule. You, I, they're, not, they're not the toughest team, but you've got a long road trip out to Cal, who it, it's, you know, it's taxing on the body. You go out there and you got to shift time zones and everything. And so you've got some tough tests early in the season. If you get, uh, if you get your starting quarterback a little banged up, it's very, very good to have a guy at least behind him that you can, you're confident that's had starting experience and can play kind of the same roles as the your, whoever your starter is. Well, and you can flip that around with either guy because Thompson and Thorne both have two years starting experience. I personally think either one comes in here as the favorite, not necessarily the, for sure the guy, yeah. but I think they come in here as the favorite to dethrone Ashford. Now, if Ashford becomes the second guy, though, well, then he had starting experience because he started the majority yeah. of the year last year. So either way, that that works out there. My question, too, and Tom and I discussed this a little bit, and maybe Tom has some, some more thoughts on it uh, the day after, but how relevant to you is it that Thorne would have two years of eligibility remaining and Thompson have one? Given what Auburn has right now, they've got Ashford who's still got multi-years left. They've got Gurner, who we've still just really not seen. He's obviously got a lot of years left. Um, obviously, Finley's gone. Hank Brown, I don't know if that guy ever becomes a, a, a big-time starter in college football, but uh, a guy that Freeze likes personally because he saw him, recruited him at Liberty. And then you would have the big recruit the next year uh, out of Arkansas. Um, Walker White. Walker White, thank you, um, who was a, a high four-star guy he would be the freshman in two years. So in your mind, is Auburn should Auburn I mean how how important should Auburn make two years of eligibility versus one year in, in these two guys when they're when they're assessing which one to prioritize? Because I don't think that I mean this is not a scenario where you get both. I mean both these guys are gonna want to start at a decent school. So you can really only take one. You can recruit both right now and see if you can convince one over the other and that sort of thing, but you can't take both. So does that matter to you at all that Thorne has two years of eligibility and Thompson only has one? So my thought on this is I feel like the staff feels like they may be in better position next year. Uh, and so they could, that puts them in a situation where they could take either or. Would they prefer as the two years? Probably. But I think that they they feel okay next year, especially if you have Gurner that seems like he's been doing great. And, and I even mentioned this where Trevon Reed had said that uh, he felt like that if Auburn did not go into the portal that Gurner would be the starter. So obviously he's done some things and has caught some eyes. But I'm wondering if, you know, even if it's just a one year for Thompson, they feel better next year with Gurner maybe taking it. But yeah, I mean, if you get a guy for two, then why not? So I, I don't, I, I guess basically my thing is I don't know that they're really looking at that um, so much as that they just need to make sure they've got a guy for this year, and then we'll see what happens next year, if it if it's a one and done guy or if it's a we got him for two, but we just got to get a guy here for this year, and then we'll focus on what happens next year. I think if you're the coaching staff, you would like the little the more stability of having a guy that can be here for multiple years because you know what it you know you, you get you know, say you get Thompson in he's he's got two years of eligibility left and say going into that that second year Holden Gurner has not progressed as much as you would like him to and then you've got the the freshman kid coming in here soon a White out of, out of Arkansas 
that he, you know, he may not be ready to go day one. Probably won't be, but you know, day one of the season, once you get him in, and go, he may not be ready to go. If you've got a guy that can win you football games and over and be, you know, be a guy that you can have over multiple years. I would, as a as a coach, I would be more secure in that because you you do like you know everything that we've been hearing, everything that you know everybody's been reporting, is that they do like Gurner and they do like what he's able what what his skill set is. But what if he does not take that next step that's needed to be the starter at an SEC power as, as Auburn is and should be uh, in in the Southeastern Conference? And you've got a and you know you've got a guy that's just here for a year, and then you're like we're back in the same situation next year. Or in 2024, where you're like, we don't know who right. we're going to get. We got to go back into the portal, and you may have to go back into the portal anyway. You may get Casey Thompson in. Say you've got two years, bring him in, and then after one year, he may be like, oh, you know, maybe want to try, you know, somewhere else. Uh, and he won't be able to start immediately, but he's like, maybe Thorn, wanna... Thorn's the one with two years. Oh, Thompson's got I was, one. Yeah, had him turn around. All good. Well, say you know, again, say Thorn comes in, and then he's like, I'm, I don't really like the vibe here, you know, and I'm going to leave again. Then you're, <laughs> yeah. you're at the same boat, and so. I, I do like the the stability of getting the the two. I do like Thompson. A, like I said, I like Thompson a little bit better for his skill set. But when you look at it, as a coaching staff, I would like the stability of having a guy that has the option to be here for two years in case one of your your sure. plan with Gurner or White doesn't go as as planned. If they go the route of Thompson, and they go the route of one year, so let's play this out, and let's play out both scenarios of Thompson being good, Thompson not being good. Let's start with Thompson being good. All right, yay. Auburn had a, a better season than anticipated. Thompson was good. E. Freeze does, in fact, know what he's doing. You could parlay that into multiple good scenarios. You could say, okay, multiple years of Hugh Freeze coaching for either or Robbie Ashford and Holden Gurner. That could mean clear development after a full year of that. They would be ready to go in their second year under Freeze. And then you feel good about the developmental process there. You could also say to other transfer portal quarterbacks, look at what happened with this guy. Like if Thompson is good, you can easily go into the home of a portal guy or bring him in the campus, however however you want to go about it, and say, well, look what we did for this kid. This kid came to his third school, because in Thompson's situation it would be his third school, and he played his very best football. That's what we can do here at Auburn and then you're able to have access to maybe the very top portal guy, whoever that may be. Now you're taking an inherent chance there that there is a portal guy that you really fall in love with. But there were some guys that were really good earlier in the in the winter portion of the portal. So it's not irrational to think there would be someone pretty darn good in the portal at some point. But, again, there is some inherent risk there because you're just at the mercy of a year-by-year basis. And, and we talked on yesterday's show how dangerous that is, why the preference is still to go – the high school route. But nevertheless, if, if Thompson is good, it's a very easy sales pitch to whoever's in the portal. We just did it with this guy. We can do it with you. All right, flip. let's flip the bad side of it. If Thompson is not good and either he plays out the year and he's no better or he's actually worse than what he was at Texas and Nebraska, or if, if Lord forbid, Auburn has to go to Ashford or Gurner and they're not good, Again, we're all where this is the bad scenario here. So even whoever comes in afterwards, still not good. Ashford's not improved, or Gurner's not who Auburn people hoped he would be. Well, then, then the issue is: all right, you've now told the people in the portal it could not, it might not work out for you either. Yeah. You're going to have to explain why it didn't work out for Casey Thompson, which would be a little uncomfortable. 
And then you've got the knowledge that the development process is not going well for your younger quarterbacks, for Ashford and for Gerner. And then you will be looking at a scenario where you're still going to be portal hunting, but with a less compelling message. Or you might have to go to Walker White immediately as a true freshman. Now, look, there are cases of true freshmen being really good in college football. It has become increasingly uh, more doable to be good right away as a true freshman than it, than it used to be. But it's no lock, you know, and, and you're not a finished product as a freshman, even if you are pretty good. So that would put Auburn in a little bit of a tumultuous uh, deal there. Now, to be fair, if you went the Peyton Thorn route, I know I'm just playing out a lot of hypotheticals. That's what we do in May. Um, if Thorn was not good, how would it be different? Well, it wouldn't be that different because Thorn would have another year, sure, but you're still going to have to be working on developing somebody. Thorne already and Thompson already at their base, they were 63% passers, capable of a 20 TD to 9 or 10 interception year. So if you do worse than that, at that late stage in their career, what, what is Thorne going to do in year two at Auburn that would make you feel so much better if he was truly not good in year one? And then you're now in the same process of you got to develop somebody else and you don't have a again as a as an effective message for the transfer portal guys because this guy didn't work out. So I guess my fear is, and I guess all that to say, if it goes the negative outcome route with whoever they bring in, I think it's the same. I, I really think it's the same. If it's negative, it's obviously not good, and there's not an obvious fix at the quarterback position for the next season. If it's good, all right. Now the argument is Peyton Thorne has an extra year. So you've got a guy that you feel good about for another year. If you've got Thompson, then you're gone. He's gone after that, and you're relying on the fact of your own ability to develop your own guys or that you're going to be able to create an effective recruiting pitch to another portal guy based off the fact that Thompson was indeed good in his one year. I say all that to say I came into this segment preferring Thompson. I'm leaving this segment with a nice, a nice door ajar for Peyton Thorne because if he's good, you can reap that benefit from him. You don't have to worry about the instant fix scenario. If Thompson's good, you still don't have a long-term answer. And again, it's college football, so there's not many long-term answers ever. Long-term answers mean three years, right. maybe four. So it's not like this is some professional deal here where you can get a guy for 10 years and be happy about it. But nevertheless, if Thorne's good, you get another year of that. You don't have to go right back into the portal or you don't have to have a now or never moment with your development process of your QBs. Whereas it, even if Thompson's good, you're still going to have to sell, sell somebody on the program immediately. And you're also going to have to, or you're going to have to worry about, okay, did we develop Asher enough? Did we develop Gurner enough? Are they even still here? Were they willing to wait it out for the full year? Or is my, my top freshman, my high, highly rated freshman ready to go in uh, Walker White the next year? So did I explain that okay? Is everyone ready to take a nap? <laughs> Thoughts? Concerns? I, good night. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, the, thought, the, the thoughts are the thoughts are that you've got to go ahead and get one of these guys in here regardless. There's a, there's a chance of anything happening especially bringing in transfer portal. I mean, there's a, there's a chance of bringing anybody in as a true freshman. I mean, you just don't know how they're going to fit in. 
but you have to take that risk. You have to get the guy in here. If things don't work out, then then you you regroup, you retool, and you figure it out from there. It's that's part of it. Uh, my personal thought, um, I I I kind of think that Peyton Thorne is the guy that Auburn's really going to go after. Uh, I know Florida is also Florida is going after. Well, because Florida is the other team with a need, right? Florida is going after Casey Thompson really hard, and. I just kind of just from what I have gathered just from seeing a lot of the stuff the beat writers and different things talking about is that Peyton Thorne may actually be the number one target. Casey Thompson would be pretty cool to get him, but I think Peyton Thorne is the one that I think that Hugh Freeze is really hard looking at. Um, and you could have some public posturing there too because sure. obviously Auburn was clearly interested in Thompson. They oh, had absolutely. him visit immediately. A- absolutely. But if you talk to Michigan State people – they're they're screaming, you know, they're the, crying wolf here, or, or the, screaming screaming foul play, I, I should say, sure. and saying that Auburn was already trying to get Thorne to get in the portal in the first place. Right. So, uh, I, you know, it's get one of them and then and and see how it plays out. I mean, we everybody can sit here and we can talk about the, you know, well, what if this happened and what if this happened? Well, you don't. I mean, the dude may come here. And, <laughs> it's going to sound crazy. Dude comes here. What wins the damn Heisman Trophy? I, there's a possibility that happened. Is that likely? It's going to be good for recruiting the future if he does. Absolutely, going to be good for that team too. You know, I, 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 you know, I don't know that anybody's going to come here and and surpass uh, Caleb Williams as the front runner. No, no. Um, but I mean, who knows? Right, you, you just don't. Know. You yeah. just don't know. Um, it could come here and be Zach Calzada, and he gets injured in the in the preseason practices, and you never see him and again. He's an incarnate and word. He's an incarnate word. I, it could be that, or it could be a guy that wins the Maxwell Award. I, you just don't know, but you can't you can't play with it in that scenario. It's like you just got to get him here, right? Get him developed, and then and then deal with the consequences after that. And you know, and yeah, I mean, you just can't. Obviously, as a as a coaching staff, you can't just sit back and just go, "Okay, we got him." Now we're just like, "Whatever." Yeah, you do gotta you gotta have Plan B, you gotta have Plan C, and then D E F L M N O P plans. You know, whatever you gotta have. Sure, but you know the 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 most important thing is to get the kid here, get somebody here, and, and yes, whoever comes in, whether it be one of these two guys, let's just say it's one of these two guys. They're going to be penciled in as the starter because they have starting experience. And Ashford is just – I don't think Ashford is an SEC-caliber quarterback. I don't know about Gurner. I also, as I've mentioned, I don't know how Gurner fits into this system that they're trying to run because he was recruited to do different things by Brian Harson than what Hugh Freeze and staff are doing. Now, can Hugh Freeze and that staff uh, mold a quarterback into what they want to do? I, I don't know. I think they probably can. But if you bring one of these guys in, they're pretty much going to be tentatively penciled in as the starter from day one. You would have to imagine. Um, so I guess that's the most important thing is get somebody here, get them practicing, start getting reps uh, with these guys and, and start getting familiar with the system and let's go. And then we'll see what happens after that. And if, if it falls flat, then we'll deal with it. You know it's an enjoyable conversation when we go about a half hour without a commercial break. So we do need to take a commercial break now here in hour number two. But great thoughts there on the transfer portal. All that originally started with Auburn gaining a commitment uh, from a defensive end 
out of Appalachian State with six sacks on the year, again, in the form of Jalen McLeod. And then it progressed into, hey, what we've talked about almost every day, quarterbacks and now a couple of reputable quarterbacks in the portal that Auburn is certainly trying to get in on. We're going to take a timeout, as mentioned, back with more Sports Call after this. call crew wants to hear from you give us a phone call at 334-887-3401 i'm Britt bowen voice of auburn women's basketball and auburn softball you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy. About halfway home today on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. If you miss anything at all, go back and check out the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live, if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling out of beautiful vanilla Coke for lunch today out of the Coke Freestyle machine at Moe's Southwest Grill. That is what go. I had for lunch. Brooks Childress had... I'm finishing up Coke, uh, vanilla Coke as well. You had vanilla Coke too? Well, I started off with cherry vanilla Coke, and then okay. the second round I went just straight vanilla Coke. Were you... Okay, random sidebar. It happens. Speaking of which, I drink a lot of Coke on the uh, on the cruise. Good. Yeah. Good. Along with other drinks that uh-huh. won't, name, won't <laughs> right. be named. What? Yeah. Um, name them. No, I mean, oh come on! We had we had we had a come couple on, married man. Uh, Grace, we in in Mexico, we went on a, a Mayan ruins tour and chocolate tasting. Okay, at the the chocolate stop, she got a. Uh, I didn't try any of it, but she said it was really good. It was a chocolate margarita. Oh, oh wow! Okay, yeah. And well, it, see, I'm obsessed with like bushwhackers. They had mudslides there. I uh, mudslide. Oh man! What well, did they have them on the cruise? I didn't. Uh, I think I saw them on oh, the menu. I did not. I <laughs> would You didn't drink a nice strong rum drink out of a whole pineapple. I I did have a rum drink, but it was not out of a pineapple. No. It was a it was an old fashioned. Okay. With okay. rum. It was and it was it was pretty good. That was my I think that was my favorite one that we, we okay. did was an old fashioned from the plug. Not a sponsor, but Royal mm-hmm. Caribbean Mariner of the Seas, the Schooner Bar. You're ever on the ship. Uh. <laughs> the guys down there know how to make the drinks. Huh. Yeah, I would no. I want. I hope Royal Caribbean gives us a sponsor deal, yeah. and 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 not Should not a money deal like a trade deal yeah. where we all take the show on a cruise. That's what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. It's like we yeah. can do a remote show from the cruise ship. Yeah, do they've, we get service five hundred miles off of shore? <laughs> they've got the they've got the internet packages now that you can. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I won't hold my breath though on that one. <laughs> yeah. um, but what I was gonna say is Brooks with the with the drinks. I have cherry vanilla Coke at home in a can. Yeah. It feels like 85% vanilla, 15% cherry. Yep. So I'm kind of just like, well, next time I want cherry, I'm just going to get straight cherry and not worry about mixing so many flavors. How many flavors can you mix into a drink and taste all of them? 
Ask Dr. Pepper. I just thought about that. But, like, how many flavors do you actually taste when you take a sip of Dr. Pepper? And they just mark it as their own drink. So, I'm just, like, yeah. they still do the cherry Dr. Pepper. They still do right. uh, Dr. Pepper cream soda. That's one of my favorites. I enjoy that. I do have I, that at home right yeah, now, too. I, I just bought some. I enjoy the strawberry and cream, the new one. Uh-huh. That, I took a sip of that, yeah. right? You, you poured yeah, it Yeah, I poured, poured you some. I think I liked it. I don't know. I like most sodas. It's not hard oh. to please me. Um, I'm a soda person. I'm not a strawberry soda fan, I guess. So Yeah. I, I, but you I, like cherry. I mean, I know I love cherry. I, I, I love cherry Coke. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, there's something about like the artificial strawberry flavor I'm just not a fan of. I got you. So, I got yeah, you. strawberry drinks, like, so I wouldn't, I'm like, ugh, nah, I'm not going to try that. Yeah. It sounds too sweet. Well, most people, again, the strawberry is not one that everyone uh, thinks of when it's yeah, like not, a, it makes a soda. soda flavor. Yeah. yeah. Not not traditional there. But I, I, I tried Dr. Pe- Dr. Pepper's, and I think I remember liking it. Did you like that, Brooks? Which one? The strawberries and cream? Yeah. I, th- I think yeah. that's one of my favorite Dr. Peppers. There you oh, go. Honestly. I'm not a big Dr. Pepper drinker. And and so that's saying a lot. Yeah. You really enjoy that flavor. All right, let's move on here. A few minutes left in the hour. Just came across across this story. Sometimes you plan a show. Sometimes the show plans you. I'm just kidding. Uh, and you see some stuff that you just got to start talking about immediately. Because I want to know what's the, the true purpose of this. This is from The Athletic. The Big 12 is nearing a deal to play football and basketball games in Mexico. Uh the particulars of the deal it would be multiple years, not men as a one-off. Football games likely would take place in Monterey and men's basketball in Mexico City with the potential for more sports in the future. Specific dates and teams involved have not yet been determined. Kansas and Houston are potential teams for a Mexico City basketball game. So here's my question. Are they going to be taking conference games away from these teams to play in Mexico? Like... Guys, I know we have callers mention this from time to yeah. time. This is professional sports. Oh. Taking the show on the road to neutral sites away from your fan bases. You are invited to attract though. to <laughs> to track to, to attract a new audience. That's something they do in professional right. ranks. I don't want Kansas and Houston not to happen on campus. Right. I don't want any of those games to not happen on campus. I know they did the Dublin stuff. The other year, what, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame, Northwestern? It fits with Notre Dame. It, it kind of fits with them. Explain to me how Kansas basketball fits with Ma- anything outside of Kansas. It it fits in the way that the Big 12 is trying to compete with the SEC. They're trying to gain more followers, and, and it, it's just – it. you don't see the SEC doing this. Yeah. that That's the thing is you Big do not see – Big 12 has been more inventive. You don't see the SEC taking their – taking games away from their big – you know, their, their top – uh, programs, home games, and moving them to you know Ireland or or Mexico or Canada. They the the only times that SEC teams are playing neutral site games is when they're in either bowl games, which is you know the the biggest games at the end of the year, or the or, t- conference title game, or in the conference ti- or in the conference title game, but which is still regional. Or the ki- and the kickoff classics sometimes. Yeah. And it's the, they're still usually regional. You're still in mm-hmm. the southeast most of the time when you when you're in those. Or the like for basketball, you've got the the non conference games where you do go to like Cancun or the Bahamas or somewhere where you play in, in in those. But that's a couple games. You're not taking big. You're not taking away Kentucky versus uh, you know 
Tennessee, Tennessee basketball away from Knoxville or Lexington. You're not taking LSU Alabama football away from Tuscaloosa and, and Baton Rouge. It's it, it's that that's my first instinct is that the, the Big Twelve already reeling from having Texas and Oklahoma taken from them, and they're trying. You know they they. They that happened. They tried to grab up a few schools. They grabbed Houston, UCF. They're they're trying. They're pulling up a few schools from from the AAC to join them, and it's it's trying to compete with what the SEC has built as a brand. And I think that they see that they are still you know number three out of the top five at least. Maybe the ACC would be a bigger bigger brand than them in some aspects. But it's SEC, Big Ten, and then yeah, insert other conferences yeah. here because they're all the, the Pac-12, ACC, and Big 12. One could be a little bit ahead of the other, but it it's ba- it, it feels like it's just a move to try to try to gain traction, and I don't know how much traction you can gain, though. Well, no, that's my thing is that, yeah, okay, you're trying to gain traction. You're not going to gain traction by playing those games in Mexico. It, it, There's it, no international not, stars. No, well, well, no, exactly. I mean, like, you've, you've got you've got MLB going to Mexico this weekend with yeah. the Giants series uh, versus, I don't, I think it's the They Giants. just happened. You're it, talking about the one that just happened, the Padres. Yeah, this, yeah. it was this past weekend. Yeah. But they went down there. You've got stars. Well, Everybody down there in, in Mexico knows uh, some players on those teams. Well, you've got, well, I mean, you potentially, in Major League Baseball, you potentially have guys from Mexico. You yeah. definitely have Latin American players on these teams, you know. So yeah, there's more of an interest there. NFL and, and NFL, everybody knows them. Everybody knows them. NBA superstar players. But, yeah. You know, sure. the The college game does not. I, I can under i I get the Notre Dame thing going over to Dublin, Ireland because the Fighting Irish whole. I I get that one. I still don't like it because why? <laughs> I mean, it. it but I kind of get that one. You're just going to play a random. Trying to force a connection for college sports in a different country. Sure. I mean, you're just going to play a random regular season game in Mexico. It's like, I I just, I I don't, I I don't get that. Let me give you Outside of it being a tournament, I, you know, when you're playing the early tournaments like the Maui Invitational or some of these others that, that Auburn has played in. Sure, those are different. But when you're just taking a rent, you know. Well, that that's my thing. I don't want, especially these conference games, right? Yeah. To be some you, we've always kind of made an event of a certain non-conference game. We do it in basketball yeah, with those right. conference with those non-conference tournaments. We do it in football with kickoff classics and all that. I can get over that, and that's also why I got could get over the Northwestern Notre Dame the connection you mentioned. But if we're going to start taking important conference games, I don't care if it's basketball and you play 18 conference games. I do not care. If you're going to start taking away these games from these college campuses that have always been designated to these college campuses, what what are we doing? Because I I don't I, I'll admit I don't know this dynamic. This might not be a good comparison, but here's the one I just thought of. And, and again, I don't know what the level is over there because they have so many professional teams playing at 17, 18 years old. But like, what if England's great at soccer in college? Okay, that that's like an English you know soccer conference in college coming to play a soccer game in America. As like, why, why why do you need to do that? The, the, there would be no incentive for them to do that. I get soccer is a global game. It's already grown to a degree, whatever. But the the dynamic of college sports because of, you know, you, you this conference is trying to gain notoriety for its conference, but what happens if its conference loses in all the postseasons? That's the yeah. real determining factor with these programs and these traditions and all that. Do you what do you do in the postseason? And the whole reason we perceive the Big Twelve to be lo- below the ACC and the SEC or SEC and Big Ten and whatever, it has nothing to do with 
part of the country they're in, even for them, Pac-12 maybe. But for them, it has nothing to do with where they're playing their games. It has to do with their programs competing or not competing on a national level. The Big 12 Conference is excellent right now in basketball, and it's getting noticed for that. The Big 12 Conference is going to lose Oklahoma and Texas. Those are two huge brands that did have success in postseasons. And that's why the Big 12 is going to be hurting a little bit. I don't see what you achieve in attracting, all right, Mex- some some people from Mexico, or if you did this with Canada or whatever, thought it was cool, what are they going to do? Are they going to move to Kansas? They're all going to be Jayhawk Nation because they thought it was cool at Kansas basketball came there? You're going to put a TCU football game over there and be like, oh, everyone's going to got to live in Dallas, Fort Worth to watch the Horn Frogs now? What, what what purpose are you? And achieving? it's not like you know, especially for for the college game. It's not like that. It would be a big. Rec- it's a big recruiting base. Where you're no. like, hey, we're we're going to go down here. We're going to impress some recruits yeah. to get them to come to play Kansas or or play at Texas. You know, Texas not going to be in the picture, but they're in the Big Twelve right, right now. So play at Texas, play at TCU. There's it's not a big recruiting base for football or for basketball. Maybe for baseball, if you get some baseball games down there, you could maybe entice some people to come. But still. With with the with the international draft, if people are if, if kids are good enough to to be noticed by MLB scouts at in 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 Mexico, they're going to the the international draft and they're going to make their money quick. I don't get this, man. And again, I'm not trying to be some like SEC homer because I think the SEC is doing some stupid things with the potential. Uh, you know, rushing the field stuff that oh. we talked a little bit about last oh, week, Lord, and yeah. so you know the SEC is not infallible here i mean they, they do stupid stuff too but between the pac-12 trying to get on like online only streaming only platforms for for their for their tv rights and then now the big 12 trying to pull games into mexico that were going to be conference games and big games in the united states i don't know i just don't like those decisions and i don't even know if it's a time will tell thing i think they're just fundamentally flawed uh, thoughts here so we'll, we'll probably talk more about it a little bit later but uh, that came across the wire I had to mention that we are out of time for hour number two and hour number three stay tuned more uh talk about some college athletics also some atlanta braves talk and much more sports go ahead on this tuesday edition of the program Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here. We've discussed a lot so far on the show And so to do that and remind you what all we've discussed, here's a Daily Show recap. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. (sighs) Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show recap. Um... 
Can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the things? My ire towards the Big 12 escalated quickly uh, <laughs> as the news uh, dropped that they're trying to near a deal to play some football and basketball games in Mexico City and other parts of Mexico too. Potentially conference games in both football and basketball, potentially other sports if it goes well. So we talked a little bit about that in the very last segment. Again, I I don't know about that. Not a big fan. Uh, I, I just want to say I may have overstepped. Because if they wanted to go to, you know, say, I don't know, place, uh, just picking a random spot that I I may or may not have visited in the past week, Cozumel. Uh-huh. If they wanted to play a basketball game or football game in Cozumel, if, you know, if they wanted to, you know, get me over to their side and, you know, send me down there, maybe on a cruise or something. Yeah. I, oh, I, yeah totally. I think I could change my tune. Yeah, I've I've never doubted the Big Twelve. Is Bob Bowlesby still their commissioner? No, it's uh, your Mac or yeah, well, however you say his name. Yeah, you know if if you know if he's listening, which I'm sure he's a big fan of the show, um, it, you know just hit me up. Yeah, just hit then me we'll, up. Then we'll, then we'll be in your pocket. Be yeah. like, oh, Big Twelve's great. Yeah, I've never made a bad decision. Who's Oklahoma and Texas? <laughs> <laughs> big Cincinnati guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so we talked a little bit about that. We've also talked a good bit. About the transfer portal, obviously the departure of TJ Finley. I mean, it took everybody by surprise. I know everyone was <laughs> taken aback. Papers were being thrown. Hey, what? Why is this happening to us? Fights beginning. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, we just felt disrespected. I guess. I mean, no. Uh, anyway, uh, and then a defensive end coming to Auburn in the form of Jalen McLeod out of Appalachian State. We talked a little bit about him. Six sacks at App State, including two against Texas A&M last year. So he is coming. He's an edge rusher. He'll be an Auburn Tiger. We also talked to Ben Golliver of the Washington Post about the NBA playoffs and the fun series that's going to start tonight. Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers, the two most prominent players in the league the last 10 to 15 years, Steph Curry, LeBron James. That might be the most anticipated non-final series in a long time. Uh, and especially six and seven seeds, you know. No, normally, right. those are upset-minded teams with some young up-and-comers or something. No, these are the old heads. They just kind of had rough regular seasons this year. So we've talked a lot on the show today. I how uh, Ben Golliver was talking about uh, Curry, and he was talking about some of the things that I had said about how, especially in that game seven where he scored fifty points, where it just like he was just making these just uncanny shots that it's like, I didn't even realize he was like even shooting the ball and yeah. it would go in flipping up. And well, and it, that's what, and he yeah. was on about the, the scoop, sh- scoop shots and, and just, you know, the fadeaways. I mean, just like every shot that you could imagine, he had it in his arsenal and was making them. And I mean, just like I said, shots that didn't even look like he was shooting the ball. This like, you know, thought maybe he was lobbing it up for a dunk or something. And no, it went in. It was a shot. I'm like, pfft. Okay. It's taken all this time, but Curry's finally getting properly recognized for the types of shots that are not three pointers that he makes. Sure. And, you know, he's always had the shooting stuff going back to Davidson. But even pretty early on, when he won his first MVP, that the Warriors won their first title in 2015, what, why I was just kind of enjoying the, the dude's complete play is because it felt like, yeah, he was scoring in more ways than people gave him credit for. And uh, that kind of got uh, to the nth degree. On Sunday, so looking forward to that Warriors and Lakers series. One little NBA note: uh, Knicks fans can rejoice. Jimmy Butler's not playing tonight for Miami, so Knicks have a great opportunity to get to one-one. But yeah, I'm just I'm watching each and every playoff game every night, man. It's been a lot of fun. 
Let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing? Fantastic. How's everybody doing there? Doing very well. Great. Doing great. Is uh, Mr. Married Man on? I, I sure am. Hey, Mr. Married Man, uh, I'm glad to see that uh, you are back. And apparently I didn't catch anything on the, on the Internet about any scandalous um, happenings on your honeymoon, uh, no annulment, so you uh, made it through unscathed. No, I, I paid a lot of money to keep those stories down. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. So uh, then the inquire is uh, apparently uh, your go-to place to keep those uh, scandals down, huh? Yeah, I mean, if, if you read about it, I, I wouldn't believe everything you read, but maybe some of it. Yeah, I understand the owner's name is Carl Pecker. <laughs> and with that, we'll, we'll keep on. You know, the reason I call you Mr. Married Man is I used to listen to a um, show in the morning. Uh, you you may, may probably still be playing. It's called the Big uh, John Boy and Billy Big Show. Used to listen to it all the time. And there was an episode on there they'd have Pretty often it's called uh, The Married Man. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that little skit. Okay, so that reminded me of you. All right, well, I am glad to see you. You're back and, uh, and uh, stay in good graces with Miss Grace, right? That's right. All right, well, let's get to it, guys. You know, as Steve Corral would say about uh, T.J. Finley leaving, no, 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 right? <laughs> yeah, something to that effect. I didn't put the, the passion he normally puts into it. So, um None of us really were surprised, or was anybody taken that he thought he might actually stick it out and compete? No. Nah, I, I I think everybody with any sort of functioning brain waves realized that he was not going to be sticking around here. All right. So we've got uh, some vacancies, apparently. And I uh, did want to get your take on this, guys. Uh, you just talked about it, uh, Ryan. About the, is McLeod uh, from the Appalachian State transfer guy? Uh, yes, Jalen McLeod. Yep. Um, is he an upgrade to Mr. Dylan Brooks, or about the same, or not as good? Uh, hard to say in talent wise. Obviously, Brooks was a pretty highly rated recruit and played a little bit last year, but we really didn't know what he was yet as a college football player coming in to year two. I definitely think he would have played. McLeod was productive last year: eight and a half uh, tackles for loss, six sacks with App State. And again, I note that. Two of those six sacks did come against Texas A&M. So he's an undersized guy. He's only about 6'1", 235 or so, so he's more of a speed rusher. Uh, but Auburn definitely needs bodies up there, and he has been a, a starter for App State. So it's kind of hard to tell just because we don't really know what Dylan Brooks is uh, in, in terms of a college football player yet. We just kind of know what the, the potential was, uh, being like, a, like the number 100 recruit or so in the class a couple of years ago. But – uh, again, this is a, a fairly productive guy, and, and they definitely need a couple of guys with, with playing, playing experience because they need some guys to be in the rotation for him up, up at the edge. So you would expect he'll be a starter? If he's not a starter, he will at, at least play some snaps. He will, be, he will be in the mix. Okay. All right. Well, uh, let's hope uh, this uh, works out for uh, the team. And moving on uh, quite quickly, guys, this caught my attention. I said, well, what's – what is this about? It's on uh, ESPN. You may already know about it. I sure did know about it. But a directive was issued, I'm reading from ESPN, by the Ohio Casino Control Commission Executive Director uh, and said it prohibits the acceptance of any wages on University of Alabama baseball effective immediately. That emergency order apparently was a response to a report from an independent 
monitor on Friday uh, that a Las Vegas-based firm that monitors betting markets issued an alert to sportsbook clients regarding, quote, suspicious wagering activity involving the Alabama LSU game. Uh, guys, what do you know about that? I I saw the story, and it's it's odd. I've never seen that type of story pop up. Uh, and really, yeah, that's all I know about time. it is it's odd. But I haven't heard any specifics. I, I have not heard a single specific on what they think Alabama was doing that caught the eye of betters or exactly what was going on. I, I really don't know. I have not heard the specifics. I've just seen the story about it. Okay. And educate me here. You know, I used to gamble and, uh, stupidly in the past, but I never knew that there were lines made for college baseball. That's more, yeah. That's more of a deep dive. I, I'd be, I could see how it would happen, like in the in the NCAA tournament, you know. Yeah. But, but I, I, I wouldn't college baseball game. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I, I think if you dig deep enough, it's my understanding that you can find just about just about anything to bet on. Okay. And then is this at all connected related to the um, was it suspension or termination of uh, the assistant athletic director at Alabama? Sports athletic something I read about that over the weekend. Well, he uh, there uh, that that guy that you're talking about got uh, charged with a domestic violence charge, so that's a whole separate thing. Yeah, it's uh, not a good thing either. No, not but, a good but, thing. But I mean, that was a domestic violence thing. It, listen, it's it's been a bad, bad, really bad run for Alabama athletics and, and the law, and now you've got this whole thing with you know was Alabama baseball throwing games because I mean that's what. That's that's what would insinu- you would insinuate by them cutting that off because they got swept by LSU, and so the question is now is like was, is Alabama throwing games? Are they doing things um, on purpose to uh, to you know help betters offset betting? You know I don't know. That's the implication with that. So now you're throwing gambling stuff in there, and now you've had all this long running stuff with every single you know between football, men's basketball. Uh, compliance guy now. I mean, it, it's been a real rough run of it for Alabama. Well, uh, you mentioned something there, if, real quickly, because if they were throwing games, then I wouldn't have suspected that they would have done this. In the Friday night game, Alabama was winning, uh, I mean, LSU was winning 8-1, to and then it says here they held off a late rally by the Tide for an 8-6 to victory on Friday. So they weren't trying to throw that game. Yeah, I, again, that's why, you know, with Tom, I'm really not sure – uh, what exactly the allegation or the problem would be? I, I don't know. I don't know. It, clearly, it's involved with Alabama, or else they would have shut down betting with LSU games too. So it's something Alabama's players or something involving their team has done or allegedly done. And really, I, I with Tom, I've not seen any particulars either. I'm going to need some more stuff to come out about this. More, I'm sure these people are starting to dig for it. Now some of these reporters, but but uh, again, I'm really just not sure what the what the specific uh, allegation is. Yeah, that's what I've learned because you know usually this kind of stuff. There's no, I guess I haven't read any comments from the uh, Alabama AD department or nothing scathing from Mr. Pete Thamel. Right, but obviously the state of Ohio thinks it's pretty serious now. I think. You know, this can be done on a state-by-state basis, so I think another thing to watch out for is if, if other states are offering lines and, 
and betting on these Alabama baseball games if they follow suit too, which to my knowledge, no other states have done just yet. So again, it's 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 very odd, and I I'm really I want to be cautious before we we have some more particulars because I just I, I I don't know I don't know exactly what the what the allegation here is. Okay, and moving on, I know you talked about it earlier, um, but I saw the video clip. Uh, the uh, the tear your heart out if you're a Boston Celtics fan uh, by the guy called the Beard making that three pointer at the last second. Yeah, Harden, uh, James Harden, who had 45 and hit the three with a few seconds left. Yeah. Oh wow, that was that that's was the really most clutch good. game he's ever played. He is okay. he's always been a really good regular season player, but he has had some famously bad postseason moments. And uh, for that, uh, they were without their best player. They were without Joel Embiid. So to win that game and him have that game, that was probably his very best postseason game. And finally, guys, uh, this is a head-scratcher, but you, you tell me, guys, why, why I'm um, kind of struck by this comment. is come on um, from the spun, I think. Anyway, something about Patrick Mahomes is getting a new contract. Uh, and the uh, owner, I guess, uh, they talk about that uh, Joe Burrow and – uh, Justin uh, Herbert are uh, signing a new deal set the market to set the market. But Kansas City Chiefs says here team owner Clark Hunt had a brutal message ahead for the eventual contract negotiations. Quote, coming up with a dollar value for what Mahomes means to Kansas City would be a challenging endeavor. So I kept reading it and it says here Mahomes will end up earning less than he's worth throughout his career as a result because he says it's difficult to quantify Mahomes' value. Then I kept reading. So, well, what's his value? And this, I said, are you serious? Guys, tell me why I'm shocked or I shouldn't be shocked. It says Mahomes will finish his career as a very wealthy man. Still, his current contract is worth. Hold on here, holy crap, five hundred million dollars. Right. But it's still a brutal reality that he simply won't get paid what he's worth. Are you serious? Uh, well, if he's not getting paid what he's worth, uh, what are the other people that just mentioned? Uh, Joe Burrow and the other guy. Uh, I mean, they're worth more. So, so a lot of this is about the timing when they sign these deals, and we know that the market keeps going higher and higher for these guys. I think when Mahomes signed, it was either a twelve or thirteen-year deal for five hundred million. And so, if you you average that out uh, amongst the twelve years, it's you know average annual value. You know, it's about like forty, 40 a year. Say that again. About 40, 40 million a yes, year. Yes, somewhere in that neighborhood. So and that's underpaid. So right now, on average annual value, he's only the fifth or sixth highest paid quarterback because these guys that are signing deals this past offseason and last offseason, like Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, etc., are getting as much or more than him. And what the reference to Burrow and Herbert are, they're at the end of their rookie deals here in this next year or two. And so they're going to be getting brand-new contracts at a time where the market keeps going up and up, whereas Mahomes signed his deal a couple of years ago. And so each year, uh, it's kind of almost inflation in football form where the value of these guys keeps going up and up. And if Mahomes was going to market now, he would be getting 50 to $60 million a year instead of $40 million a year. Well, who's tops the insanity? Because this is outrageous. I mean, it's whenever the money stops coming in. When the whenever I mean, the whenever the TV deals don't keep getting higher and the attendances aren't as high and as much ad money that, isn't coming is in. How is their money? How is their value determined by who and what? By I mean, how much money the the National Football League 
uh, brings in uh, very various TV deals, various well, media well, no, rights I mean, deals, but, and but, I mean, what determines uh, that Mahomes is worth less than some other NFL quarterback or not? Well, I mean, because of how good he is. I mean, that's that's a skill, and that's what you mean to a franchise. And Mahomes is, in my opinion, I think most people's opinion, is the best quarterback in the league. Therefore, he should be paid the most money because he's bringing the most value. He's brought two Super Bowls and three appearances in a in a four or five year span for Kansas well, that's City. What I'm getting at, you tell me those rookies get paid less. I mean, getting paid more. Then how come Hunt, who apparently he can't be hurting for money, why does he say he just can't pay him what he's worth? So that I, I if he is going the route of by salary cap. That would be one thing because the NFL is obviously a capped league, and depending on how Kansas City is spending its money in other positions, it might not have the cap space to be able to to take on such a big contract. Now, there's ways around that. that GMs have gotten really good at cap math and, and stretching contracts and that sort of thing. So if he's going that route, I can see how it would be a thing if he's uncomfortable with paying a certain part of the team less money. But uh, obviously, yeah, these NFL franchises are worth so much money. You got to have so much money to run them. I, I would be surprised. I, I don't think I really would doubt that he would be meaning that, like he himself cannot afford to pay that money because there's also a cap floor in the NFL, so they have to spend pretty close to the cap, regardless. There's there's only a certain amount of wiggle room uh, built in there, and Kansas City, being a good team, is going to get up pretty close to that cap number. So. Again, I, I would think it would be cap related more so than like they literally the franchise literally can't pay that amount of money. Okay, well I'm I, I'm so just flabbergasted by these uh, amounts. It's like monopoly money, you know. It's huge, uh, yeah. It's, it's in the stratosphere now. I said, when does it ever stop? I guess it'll never stop, right? Again, unless unless the value in TV contracts starts going down or or the interest in the sport wanes overall. Uh, yeah, I mean, if the, if the money's out there, the money will continue to grow. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure you do know, because I've been reading on the Internet, that the ESPN has been laying off people, and Disney's laying off people. Disney owns ESPN. Right. I mean, we about thousands and of that people could be, And that could be a sign that they are starting to reach the point where they're beginning to overpay for some of these media rights deals. And, and so if that continues to happen there could be a little bit of adjustment. Now, again, I don't think it's going to shoot down. I think it could just stop growing and become stagnant. But uh, you know, that if that happens across all the networks and, and, and then the, you start to have the, the trouble garnering all these sponsorships and all these commercials and all this stuff, that's how the TV media rights deals could start to become less lucrative. And that could also affect college revenue, right? Uh, yeah, because I mean they still sign rights deals with 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 conferences and right. that sort of thing. The sure. SEC network, uh, sure. isn't that part of ESPN? Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. If only I had been told these things earlier in my uh, career, I would have uh, considered uh, something uh, in the for sport broadcasting or journalism. Of. But all right, guys, thank you for your time. And uh, married man, welcome back. Thank you so much. And uh, with that said, my time is way up. We'll uh, talk to you guys uh, tomorrow again, hopefully. And uh, until then, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. We appreciate that phone call, as always. That is retired War Eagle Steve joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to go ahead and take our next time out of the show. Stay tuned. More sports call after this. 
Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Like us on Facebook at SportsCallAU. Sports Call returning here on this Tuesday afternoon. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here. About 10 or so minutes, 12 or so minutes left in the show today, so we'll take you the rest of the way. Nightly TV Guide coming up in just a few minutes. We'll talk a little bit about the Atlanta Braves before we go off here. I uh, haven't gotten to talk in too much detail about them. I'm glad we did not like publicly freak out about the Acuna hit-by-pitch yesterday because he's right back in the lineup tonight. Thankfully for the Bravos, he's leading off and playing right field as if never, uh, nothing happened. If you saw the video, it looked bad. Acuna got plunked just above around the shoulder area. Yeah, back of the shoulder. Uh, and uh, he was in pain. He was down for a minute or two, taken out of the game immediately. And now he's right back in the lineup. So crisis averted. Well, he said himself that he thought it was worse than it was because when it hit him, uh, I, I guess it, you know, kind of like you get, dead, you get hit in the right spot in the leg and they give you what's called dead leg. I guess he got hit in a spot that just kind of basically numbed his arm. Uh, and that was the one thing he was saying is that he couldn't feel his arm. And he thought the worst that something really bad had happened. Uh, couldn't feel his arm, but they x-rayed him and there were no uh, there there were no fractures or anything. It was just a bruise, a contusion. Uh, and so, yeah, he's back leading off tonight against the Marlins. So, thank goodness because, yeah, when he was on the ground for that long, it, it looked bad. I mean, man, poor guy. He just he gets hit by a lot of pitches. They, he does. They, they he is people headhunt him quite a bit. So Braves in Miami for a set against the Fish. Braves nineteen and ten to start the year. So almost thirty games in here. Mets and Marlins, by the way, both sixteen and thirteen, three out behind Atlanta. So don't take the Fish too lightly. Although the Braves had a very good series against the Marlins last time, winning three out of four. Philadelphia is 15 and 15. They're getting Bryce Harper back earlier than expected yeah. uh, from his Tommy John surgery, which is a little rarer for non pitching players. I mean, position players have it sometimes. Sometimes a shortstop, you make a lot of tough throws or something like that. Sure. But uh, he's had it, and uh, he's going to be back in about 160 days, I think they said. So a little less than six months. Pretty impressive. But nice. just going to DH for now uh, and just, just swing away. But yeah, Braves 19 and 10 overall, trying to get healthier. We've seen some great pitching from Max Freed so far this year. We've seen Acuna be off to an incredible start. Brooks, as you think about this Braves team through the first 30 games, I mean, what sticks out to you positively? Is there, I mean, I, well, I know there's something to improve. Uh, he's batting DH for the Braves tonight. Uh, but, I mean, just your overall thoughts from the Braves here about, about a month in. Uh, I mean, it, it feels like, you know, we there's two baseball teams that we've – you know, heavily cover here on the show, and that's Auburn baseball and that's the Atlanta Braves. It feels like, and the Braves are not as, you know, as uh, in a dire situation as the um, as Auburn baseball, but it feels like the bats are there for both Auburn baseball and for the Atlanta Braves. It's the pitching 
that you know you you kind of run into some of these bigger teams some of the teams with the bigger bats and it's it starts to get like a, a little bit of a shootout. We saw yesterday the Braves Mets game, the game one. Uh, it, it felt like the Braves two three run home runs from Sean Murphy against anybody probably should seal you a game. But yeah. the Mets hung in there and they got it to one run in the ninth right. inning against AJ Minter. And so I and, I and like I said, I don't want to say they're the exact same because obviously you know we've seen both of these both Auburn baseball and the Atlanta Braves uh, so far this year. Auburn baseball's pitching has been in a much more much worse situation uh, throughout the year, and the, the bats have saved them quite a few times. Atlanta, you've got the hitting. It, it's just you, you're you're trying to figure out the the pitching and and some of the, the some of the starting pitching you know woes. You you had Max Freed out for a little bit. Uh, you, you're you're trying to piece things together, and then uh, it it felt like you know you've lost a couple guys. You you thought you were going to have Arcia every single day. And then you thought you were going to have Michael Harris every single day, and th- those are a couple bats that you you've lost here. Uh, but it, the the bats have not really missed that many steps. They're still putting up runs, and they're still you know they're they're still playing good baseball. Um, I, I think that they've done the Braves have done what they needed to do against the teams that they've played. They they haven't lost a series that I um you know would be upset about. You know it, it, if they had come in and you know say lost a series to the I don't know who's bad. Nationals. Um, yeah, if they lost the series to the Nationals, lost the series to uh, the, the the Rangers or the A's. Well, the A's. If, if they lost some of those series, um, it 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 would be a different story. But I, I think that right now they are holding firm. You know, they got a three game lead in the division right now. I know it's early, but still, you got three games on the Mets, three games on the Marlins, and. You're you're in a good situation, and once you start getting some of these, like you're going to get Michael Harris back. Once you start getting some of the the bats back in the lineup that you had, and you can kind of phase out guys like a Marcelo Zuna um, from the Braves. From the Braves, um, you can kind of phase those guy uh, a guy like that out of the lineup and get more you know get get more consistent hitters in there. I think that you you could see this team really take off here once you hit the summer months. I do think that one you know it, it's still really early to be talking about trade deadline, but I think that you're going to be going for an arm at the trade deadline if anything for the Braves. But on the other side of that, I don't know, you know, we we've talked about it early in the season. Braves don't really have any a lot of prospects to, you know, right. to to work with. They've either called all their prospects up or they've traded them away with two consecutive years trading to the the uh, Oakland Athletics. You've gotten rid of uh, big parts of your farm system and so it, it's going to be interesting to see cuz I, I do think they could go after an arm at the at the trade deadline here in a couple months, but I just don't know what what their bargaining pieces would be because I I do like the chemistry in the lineup right now. Yeah, I think pitching-wise, what what we see we're dealing with, you're making the Auburn and Braves comparison, is you've got with Auburn baseball, you've got kind of the totality of it has been rough. It's kind of been rough at at all parts of it with Gonzalez being out. Now you're starting to see Tommy Vale break out, and so that's changing it a little bit, and it's helping the entire staff, to be honest with you. I think it gives credence to if Joseph Gonzalez had been healthy, this might have looked different. But – it had really been from start to finish for Auburn. The Braves starters have been good. Freed's been excellent. Strider, Strider. has a two and a half ERA, ERA. Excuse me. Even Morton's ERA is in the mid threes, which you can absolutely live with. Bryce Elder's been shockingly good. He had the first couple starts where he did not allow an earned run. And Kyle Wright's still trying to get into it. He was hurt to start the year. He's got the highest ERA of the five. 
but you got four ERAs that are three and a half or lower. I, that that that's what you're going to look for for the starters. But they have really missed the player, the single player that they have missed the most from the entire team that of anyone that's gotten hurt or anyone that left is Rossell Iglesias because AJ Minter. I'm going to be kind to the guy. No, I'm not. Maybe I don't know. I still don't know if I'm going to be kind here. No, I'm not going to mince my words. As a closer, he has been absolutely terrible this year. He was obviously a part of successful Braves postseason runs, getting important outs in other situations. But he is much better as a setup man. 13 and two-thirds innings this year, he has an 8.56 ERA. It's a lot. So, again, he's been out there 14 times total. This is not a fluke. Uh, obviously, he's not going to keep up the pace of pitching every other game. But again, he's allowed 13 earned runs and 13 two-thirds innings. I believe he's blown three saves. It's possible he's blown four. Almost blew yesterday. Right, almost, you know, gave up another run yesterday. He has been marketably bad as as closer. Now, that does not mean Iglesias comes back, I want him off the team. I just want Mentor to return to like a seventh-inning, eighth-inning specialist role because he. I think he still gets out. So my other thing here before we have the nightly TV guide with Mentor, I wonder – if part of his struggle is not actually closing, if it's pitch clock. Because if you'll recall, of all the Braves pitchers from last year, the slowest to the plate, meaning from the time he got the ball back to the time he pitched it, was A.J. Minter. And I'm wondering if that sped-up process for him is affecting him. Because if, if, if it affected anyone in the entire Braves roster, it would be him. And so that's that's my wonder, too. I want to see him move back to a setup role. And if he's still struggling, I think it's the pitch clock thing. I think he's not figured out how to pitch quickly and be locked in uh, because he was one that liked to stare in for a little while. If he moves back to setup role and is good, I think we can rule out him being a clo- – I think we can rule out the pitch clock and say, hey, it's just he's just not built for the ninth any other time. He can get high leverage outs, but for whatever reason – just not the ninth inning. So, want to see Rossell Glacius back. He is starting a rehab assignment, so it might be just a matter of days before he comes back, and hopefully he'll be effective as the Braves' closer. Only a couple minutes left in the show today. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Brooks, what a guy. Let's see if I can remember how to do this. It's been a while. All right, 7 o'clock FX. We gave you a Marvel movie last night with Spider-Man. Tonight we're giving you another one. It's Captain America, the first Avenger, the very first Captain America movie. Classic, one of my favorite Marvel movies uh, from the from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 7 o'clock FX. Sports for you tonight. We got quite a bit of variety for you. Uh, 6 o'clock ESPNU. We got some high school lacrosse as Georgetown Preps takes on Bullis. So there's some lacrosse action for you. 6 o'clock TBS. Some baseball action for you to the Toronto Blue Jays. Visit the Boston Red Sox. There's your baseball action. The Braves just about to get underway. Cindy Alcantara versus Bryce Elder on the mound tonight for the Marlins and the Braves. As, as we mentioned, Ronald Acuna Jr. back in the lineup. Uh, 6.30 TNT game two of the Eastern Conference semifinals between the Miami Heat and the New York Knicks. We mentioned a little bit earlier, Jimmy Butler not in the lineup tonight for the Miami Heat. So we'll see what the Knicks can do 
with that action in the 9 o'clock tonight game one of the Western Conference semifinals between the Los Angeles Lakers featuring LeBron James and the Golden State Warriors featuring Stephen Curry. And that should be one of the most anticipated uh, playoff series in some time. And as, as Ben Golliver said, he expects it to go to seven. And so it, it, game one is tonight. Stanley Cup action, only one game on tonight. Seven o'clock. Uh, I think it's seven o'clock. Let me make sure. Nope, six o'clock. ESPN Florida Panthers upset the Boston Bruins over the weekend. Visiting the Toronto Maple Leafs. Have y'all seen the the drama where the Florida Panthers are not letting anybody outside the, the, outside of the United States buy tickets? Oh, teams. no. They've set up like a thing where you, if you are outside the United States, you cannot buy tickets wow. to kind of prevent the, uh, the Maple Leafs from coming down and overtaking their arena. And then later tonight, your final uh, sporting event Pretty for the smart. night. CONCACAF <laughs> Champions League LAFC versus Philadelphia Union, if you're into some soccer action. And before we get out of here, I want to congratulate A.J. Wallace, a quarterback from Beauregard, committed to Alabama State to play football. Very uh, cool. Next year. And so congratulations to him. He was a really good football player for Beauregard this past year. And that's Looking at the TV Guy brought to you by our friends at White Claw Seltzer. Thank you very much, Brooks. And thank you for being here today, sir. Yep, Welcome back. Absolutely. And Tom, thank you for being here, too. We'll see you again tomorrow. I will be here. Again, we appreciate Ben Golliver of the Washington Post for joining us to talk some NBA. And we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Tuesday night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.